Hi, and welcome to Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast that covers the issues that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm Chris Rubo for ASI, and the subject of today's podcast is both personal and emotional. It's also the most focused upon event in the world at the moment. I'm talking, of course, about Russia's war against Ukraine. Here to talk with me today about the conflict are two of my ASI colleagues, Alex Shilman and Natalia Roisman. Both were born and raised in Ukraine. Both have family and friends still there that have been impacted by the invasion, and both are experiencing the war in a deeply personal way that people without such connections simply cannot. Alex, I should mention, is a senior application developer in the IT department here at ASI, and Natalia is a senior financial business systems analyst, who, by the way, won ASI's Innovator of the Year in 2021. Congratulations again, Natalia. Uh, Natalia and Alex, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Got it. Um, I'll just mention for folks who are watching this live, if you have comments or questions, you could um, type them in and we'll try to get them. Of course, um, please observe uh, uh, decorum. Um, so let's jump into this first uh, question here. Um, Natalia, we could start with you. Can, you. can you tell us a little bit about your background, You know where you were born, um, You know when you came to the U.S. and why? I was born in a city called Chernivtsi. It's in the west of Ukraine. Um, I came here at, uh, in 1990. I think, and then seven. I mean, I don't remember. It was all it was long ago. But um, the reason I came is because um, the when the Soviet Union fell apart, there was absolutely uh, like it was a chaos. So there was um, for regular people, there was no way to actually achieve anything. And so when my mom, <clears throat> when my mom won the green card lottery, we took that chance and we we just moved. And um, I'm really grateful every day that I'm here and not there. Okay, Alex, how about you? When did you come to the U.S.? I I came to United States in 1989. Uh, so I did came from Ukraine region, but it was still Soviet Union. And we came for political reasons. Uh, we immigrated to United States. Um, so, you know, all the events that are happening there um, are still very, very touching. Even though most of my life I lived here and United States is my home. I still feel personal connection to Ukraine and to the people that live there. Well, 19, we were talking before we went live a bit that you know you made, you made that point as you did now. You left it was still the Soviet Union, and yeah. and some of what you see happening now really is kind of evoking that era. You feel like it's coming back. Yeah, all the you can definitely see um, tighter, um, uh, tighter. Uh, you know, get all the information gets uh, you know suppressed, and mm. you can see. People can't protest. There's no freedom of war. There's no political. Uh, there's no. Um, um, there's no more political opponents or anybody else in Russia. It's only one party, one government, and and it's all controlled by a single person, a di dictator that's been installed for many many years. Wow. So pretty much very similar to what happened before, and uh, certain things that you see like in the news or um, you know kids demonstrating outside you know. Uh, of kindergarten kids putting the letter Z that that is symbolic of Russian invasion force, almost like, you know, Nazi symbolic. And when we were kids, we did pretty much the same thing. Teacher told us to go outside, stand in a, on, next to the, you know, um, Soviet, you know, leaders and wave like flower or something. You know, as a kid, we had no idea what we were doing. We were just there. And, and of course, that's what folks in your home country are fighting against it. That has not been the society in Ukraine over the last 
you know, 15 or 20 years. It's moved towards a freer democracy, and they're fighting against the reimposition of that old Soviet-style rule. So I think that's a, a great context in which to, to set this whole discussion. Fight for freedom is much older than uh, 30 years. The the trident that I'm wearing is um, it's pretty old. It's uh, it's actually represents it spells Volya, which is represents freedom, and it's been in a Ukrainian symbol for thousands of years, I think. Thousand. Okay. Wow. Wow. So this is this is even better perspective. Thank you. This is all happening within a much broader context of mm. of, of history. This isn't just an an immediate thing. So. I think that's important to note. Um, let me let me ask you this. So um, obviously we're here to talk about you know uh, the invasion. So in the lead up to the conflict, in the weeks, days going up to the actual invasion happening, did you did either of you have a sense that that it would actually happen that that Russia would go forward with it? Like were you hearing things from family and friends? Did they did they think that it was going to happen? And Alex, I'll start with you this time. Thank you. Um, so yeah, uh, everybody were at this uh, disbelief. Um, we everybody knew the um, large amount of forces being assembled next to the borders. Um, you know, there was always conflict. Conflict happened since 2014. It's nothing new to Ukraine. Ukraine was always fighting. There was always a fight going on in that area. You know, um, Ukrainian army was not prepared in 2014. It was poor army without you know that was um, robbed by a certain corrupt politicians before. They didn't have any weapons, they didn't have anything. So they pretty much, Russia as a bigger country, easily rolled over and took took portion of Ukraine next to Donbas and, and they definitely, and everybody heard they took over Crimea without a single shot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so knowing that Russia is assembling the force, you, you know, you didn't want to believe that this, it, they would attack. Mm -hmm. You just didn't. Uh, you, it could be a political maneuver, a political move to get some, you know, points in, in some negotiation somewhere with United States or Europe or anywhere else. Um, you know, but a lot of people were at disbelief. And even in Ukraine, people were at disbelief. People joined their normal life. Uh, they enjoyed movies. They enjoyed restaurants. People were outside. You know, life as normal because they, they were also used to that. Um, you know, bickering happening in that particular site, mm -hmm. um, and at least from what I heard, people didn't expect that. They, yeah, so it, it was just a sense of, okay, maybe this is some political maneuvering, maybe this is some posturing to intimidate the West and maybe get some concessions, or maybe maybe intimidate Ukraine off 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 uh, pursuing NATO membership or whatever it may. Be. When, but there was a widespread sense, at least among folks you know, that that this was not going to happen. That this that this full scale invasion wasn't going to happen. Wow. Okay. Natalia, how about you? What what were you hearing? Um, when I heard, heard in the news that the U.S. government pulls their citizens out of Ukraine, and it was starting. It start, I think it started in, in December, and the the are basically that's when I called my friend and I was like, something's going on. You need to, you need to get out. And she's like, no way, there is absolutely no way something's going to happen. But knowing like, historically knowing that if us or other governments pull their citizens out preemptively, that means that it's serious. Yeah. And unfortunately nobody listened on my, for my family or my friends, nobody listened. Now, when you say nobody listened, nobody listened in the sense that you felt like maybe they should have taken steps to, to get out of the country at that point or, or just or, yeah. or nobody listened in the sense that like hey 
yeah, we deal with this kind of stuff all the time. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah, or both. maybe a bit of both. <laughs> it's a little bit of both, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's scary just because when it's when it's just you, it's kind of okay. Like maybe I can get out. Maybe I can manage whatever. But if, when you're talking about you and your little ones, then it's it gets more complicated. Because when I told my friend like you need to go, she's like, where would I go? I don't know when it's going to start, if it's ever going to start. And if we do move out from the country, like, where would we go as of today? So it's, she's like, I have a house. I have uh, everything I built is here. Like, how do I leave everything and just move? Yeah, it's it's funny. That makes it so relatable, right, to maybe people who aren't living there, is that we all have our lot. We're going about our daily lives. We have established routines. And it's sometimes, it's almost hard to, to envision how do we go beyond that and like and a, and a major disruption to that until it actually until it actually occurs sometimes you know it's like the signs can be there but but we almost just we almost believe that normalcy will always prevail and just in this case so sadly it it it, it hasn't so yeah but that's not the first time we actually saw refugees in um, in western ukraine just because when um during chernobyl uh, so when that uh, when that happened, we had people basically with luggages knocking on doors and asking to for shelter, mm-hmm. and that was not as organized as today. And was like we saw, we're still we're still under the iron curtain, so we the people would not even think of going to other countries at that point. But uh, it was it was scary then, but now I, I can imagine that it's even more it's even worse because yeah. we had people. We had people renting apartments in Chernovtsi, which is it's a small it's it's a smaller city. It's uh it's about 2,600,000 uh, 2, people on average. So it's not a big town. It's not nothing. Well, it's it's beautiful. It's old, but but it's nothing like no 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 glory like of actually renting two thousand dollars apartments there. But people do go through that extent two thousand dollars a month, which is like you can get a nice apartment in New York for that money. Sure. Um, well, that's that's incredible too. So that 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 part is there was already those in, internal refugees, so to speak, from the Chernobyl event, and now we're having. So you experienced some of that, but the scale now is even so much larger yeah. than that, given given what's going on. So um, incredible stuff. So let's move on to this here. Um, so we, we the invasion starts to become a reality. We'll we'll, we'll say. Um, you here in the U.S. and, and Natalia, we'll stick with you on this one. Just what what, what was re- your reaction? You know, where were you when you, when you realized that this was actually underway? And kind of what was your first steps in the wake of it? Well, my first steps is like for the next two weeks, actually, from the day one to two weeks. Every day, you just get up, listen news, go through Facebook, see what the Russian channels or Ukrainian channels were saying. Call your friends, call your family, see if everyone is okay. Uh, and then kind of like pick yourself together and try to work after that. So it's kind of, it's hard wrecking. And it, it also knowing that you want to help, but you can't, it's actually, it's even worse. I could, I could only, ima- I could only imagine, is there, is there a sense of, uh, I want to put words in your mouth and it's, it's a tough question, but do you almost have a sense of, of guilt? Like I, like I want to be contributing more than than I than I am. Alex, you're shaking your head. You you do you do have a uh, sense of that? Absolutely, yeah. Even though you know, I even feel bad talking about it. I did ask my friend, should I should I do that? Uh, should I do this podcast or not? Mm-hmm. And because I I feel like you know, who am I to to represent Ukraine? You know, mm-hmm. 
I lived here. I lived comfortable life, and um, you know, and it's peaceful. Um, so it's it's very hard for me to 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 do that. And uh, the reason I did it is to bring attention and continue to bring attention, no matter any means necessary, to bring attention to 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 what's going on, to the atrocities that's happening in Ukraine, and to uh, you know to help maybe somebody who's watching they can contact. Um, you know, their politician, local representative, um, a senator. Um, and a lot of senators supporting Ukraine right now. But, you know, keep keep talking to them, keep sending them emails, not, you know, keep bring the, bring, bringing this up so, so they continue to support this and, you know, push um, more help and, uh, you know, anything that can be done, uh, you know, to, to help uh, bring attention, to help bring help, and militarily help and humanitarian help as well. And, um, you know, obviously we we were, um, as far as, you know, what I can is at this point, I can just bring attention, bring awareness, mm -hmm. and try to donate, donate to different charities. I, if, uh, you know, um, some charities, uh, you also have to figure out which are reliable charities. So charities that are promoted by Ukrainian government, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're usually very reliable. Um, for some people, it might not be very easy to donate to them because it requires foreign transactions and other things, which is a little bit more difficult. At ASI, you know, ASI and Cone family did a recent event with Red Cross donation, and Cone family also helped, you know, to match donations. So, you know, doing as much as we can. And some people are being very um, 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 elaborative in how to donate, right? Some people some people uh, donated to Airbnb in Ukrainian cities that were bombed. They would literally rent apartments that they never planned to visit to help out the local businesses. Um, in addition to that, um, personally, what I did is uh, I found out about campaign in in city of uh, Mykolaiv, which is uh, south. Um, there's zoo uh, that's been bombed and people don't have anything to feed animals with, right? You can just buy tickets to the zoo. Just buying tickets, very simple, you know, uh, simple thing. Uh, there's a person who I used to uh, watch. Uh, he has a channel on YouTube. Uh, he is a chef in Odessa. Very, very colorful individual, very happy, uh, constantly has a little restaurant and he cooks outside. You know, it's very fun to listen to him because he does jokes and other things. Now restaurant is not working. Um, so what he does is he buys produce and distributes to people in need, right? Sending that person uh, money and all of these things, that's, you know, um, you know you're trying to help as much as you can um, and bring awareness. That's that's the most important part. And and I, I, I want to just dovetail off your comments there real quick because I, podcasts like this, as small or as large as the reach may be, anything that you can do that people can do to help build a, what I would call a narrative of truth um, is really yes. important now because inform, information wars are happening now where there's where there's there's conflicting narratives over what over what the reality is and the more that that the reality can be put out there what truly is happening is is important so so thank you for taking the time to do it and um the time I'm going to get to you in one second I just wanted to ask that we had a question come in and um, uh, uh, this uh, Danny Rosen asks. Uh, what are the projected long-term ramifications for those who are displaced and how can we help long-term versus in the short term? Alex, you, you addressed that a little bit, 
Mitai, do you have any 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 thoughts on that? Just how long term aid can be? I wish that the that the U.S. government allowed a buddy system for refugees, memory temporary refugees, because uh, none of my friends actually have desire to stay anywhere other than Ukraine. So, but if I could took them in and maybe have like some assistance from the government, uh, allowing that person to go to work and to send her kid to the daycare, and um, actually maybe make some money on the way to come home and rebuild, that would be that would be absolutely awesome just because the kids are displaced from schools they displaced from the daycare they displaced from their um, everyday uh, things that they actually like, they normally do and i would be glad to take my family or my friends here to to help them in the time of need Natalia, are there certain causes that you're that you're personally involved with or that you that you've donated to that you that you know are you know viable good ones there is a Ukrainian um, uh, uh, there's a Ukrainian center in Jenkintown. From the day one, they closed their doors to absolutely all the operations other than uh, collecting donations. Uh, I went there. I volunteered. I uh, helped by packing uh, supplies for the to be sent to to Ukraine. Uh, they they actually working with the local uh, freight company called Mist. It's a Ukrainian owned company. Um, they sent so far. They sent seven. Uh, planes packed with supplies and two of them two of them missed send at their own cost and everything else now they're collecting donations to actually to fuel for the fuel to send more and when i talked to the um one of the uh, people who actually uh, in that actually working with all of them and they said that the most they need right now is not clothes but actually monetary donations and if when I came there, I actually was, I was lucky enough, I found a wheelchair in the street because people just threw it out and I picked it up and I took it to the donation center. And she said that this is what they need. They need wheelchairs, they need crutches, they need bandages, they need everything that would uh, help them like, for the for the re rehabilitation of wounded people and uh, also medications and like, heavy duty medical equipment. That That's what they need right now. Yeah, th this place is called Ukrainian Education and Cultural Center. Yes, Lincoln Town. Um, they, I, they had a town hall a um, couple days ago with Brian Fitzpatrick, which is uh, our representative mm -hmm. in our district, and um, um, he was. Uh, some of the issues they're addressing is that um, initially they were they were um, they had ability to transport all the humanitarian aid to Ukraine or to Poland and then tra transport it, but at this point um, they're they're no longer providing free planes, so now they have to. Uh, they have to get, yeah, they have to collect money to, to actually get get the stuff shipped over. Okay. All right. Um, and, and just for people who aren't in the greater Philadelphia area, Jenkintown is a, is a town just outside Philadelphia. And in, our, and in the greater Philadelphia area, there's a fairly large and growing Ukrainian uh, population. So we're, we're especially close to it, I think, in this, in this part of the country. Um, just I'll answer, Danny, I'll, Danny Rose, I'll answer one other part of your question. You said other than, you know, ASI's, um, uh, uh, collaboration with the Red Cross. If you go to um, asicentral.com backslash news, that's our editorial site, we have a, a story up now that lists a bunch of different um, industry, promo industry related initiatives that are um, trying to raise either, um, you know, monetary or um, actual physical support donations for, for Ukraine. So if you go there, you could find more information um, a, a, about how to help. So I hope that's, that's helpful. 
Um, Alex, I did just want to come back to you though, because um, I, I don't think you had a chance to answer the question about where where you were when when the invasion actually happened and, and kind of ha how it struck you. So yeah, I, I was I was at home, and um, you know when it happened, I was in complete shock. Uh, I was, you know, and like again, it was. There are certain moments you live in your life you don't believe that it actually happened, mm -hmm. and then you try to grab as much information as possible. Um, you know, certain things like uh, instantly, um, you know, you, you hear groups popped up on the clubhouse that I, you know, participate in. And, um, you know, I try to listen and mostly I try to listen to educate myself how to speak better. So so this is that's what I use clubhouse for. But in this in cases like that, it becomes like a center of, of information. And every time every news story that was coming out, they had to provide three different sources in order to say if it's true or not, because a lot of this information was coming through. And, and then uh, they opened Telegram um, uh, channels and Telegram channels from Ukrainian news sources from you, and you try to get information from there. And uh, pretty much, you know, as much information as you can get and try to relate to, to people that still live there, try to send them information through social media and to share that information and, you know, and, um, you know, Sadly, you, you gain some friends and you lose some friends too. I have a childhood friend that lives in uh, Moscow. And even though he is from Ukraine, his family from Ukraine, mm -hmm. um, he completely went, you know, start sending me information that is absolute fake and so on. It's very hard to hear, um, you know, so you, you can definitely see how, how it, that, that part of the country getting transitioned into Soviet Union, into the closed iron curtain, you know, uh, country and um, it's very tough to see that. Very tough. Uh, and, and again, that speaks to the to the importance of getting tr truth out there. Things like we're doing right now to to create that narrative of what's really happening. And then number, I think also it's important to point out that. Um, and, and you guys correct me if I'm if I'm you know misspeaking here. But there, I mean, there's long, there's an intimate, if troubled, long-standing relationship between U Ukraine and, and, Russia, and Russia too there. And, and sometimes it does split within families and, and, and friendships like that. Is, that. is that a fair characterization? Yes, yes. Um, Ukraine, um, you know, Ukraine had a forced kind of, they were forced to, to become part of Russia. You know, every time they were forced to become, uh, you know, communist and, and so on. So it's kind of a forced friendship. Okay. Historically, you know, people always wanted to be independent and, you know, and then you have, you have a Soviet, uh, you know, you have Russia that becomes like dictatorship and you have a completely democratic uh, country next to you, right? That goes through revolution, gets, gets, gets its independence from, from control, Russian control, right? Still some control over it with gas and like all the natural like uh, resources, stuff like that getting presidents that are elected every four years. You might not like it. You might not enjoy it. But these are democratically elected presidents. You know, and then you have a democratic government that tries to look towards Western style of, of rule, right? More, more independent, more democratic, more, you know, people are free to do what, what they can, what they want to do. And, and that, was, that became like almost like, a, I think, a torn in, in, you know, Putin's mouth and and he can't have something like that next to him. And especially where, you know, the countries that are helping Russia right now to attack Ukraine, 
these are all all of them are um you know dictatorships Belarusia next to it that that helped um you know it's a dictatorship um you look at the countries that support Russia right now uh like North Korea Belarus they're all dictatorship countries and and you know you see the list you've seen it probably in the news many times you know 157 countries that support Ukraine these are and you have four countries that are uh you know ruled by dictators it's it just it boggles your mind you know so so it i can't even understand that um i think uh, i think it speaks to some of that propaganda propaganda machine that we were talking about before and and some of the direct control that you very well just just characterized um so natalia though, let me let me kick a question over to you i'm interested in what you are hearing from um family and friends currently since since the invasion started till now like in recent days have you heard new news anything about developments about what they're experiencing beyond some of the stuff you've already told us um the very personal fear of my friend she said that you know, whenever they took the uh, Chernobyl, she said that um they started preemptively buying iodine in fact all europe is preemptively buying iodine and you can't really find anything in there right now so um the fear of radiation poisoning is like is huge it's even so you can get used to it's not a good way to say but you can get used to bombing you can get used to shelling because you kind of like it flew it flew over you if you're lucky to survive you survive but if nuclear reaction starts then absolutely no one is safe so that is kind of like it chills my like I can't really even understand like waking up and going to bed with the same thought of how is it going to be from now on? That's and and are they having any success? And it sounds like they're not able to get it or not able to get it in quantities necessary because there's a, a run on it, so to speak. Yeah. She asked me. She asked me if I could uh, find it here, but when I started looking at the uh, the 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 grade of the iodine that they would need, the the company that's FDA approved, their next shipment is in July. So they're out of stock until July, and it's if you're like so basically you 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 need to get in line to get it, and then I don't know if you ever get it. So at that point, then at that point they either will not need it or it will be too late. So that's yeah. I, I, I was gonna say either you have it now or you don't. It it, it seems like yeah. um, oh my word. Um, have 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 you heard anything else along those lines? I mean. Uh, or maybe or any positive developments if, if there is such a thing happening there right now or you know positive developments is that um actually i was really surprised and kind of proud of uh the way uh our the, their president and uh mayor of kiev uh, klitschkovich who was a uh, heavyweight champion the way they took it on uh, maybe so the 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 contrast between uh, Zelensky going and talking to people and, uh, you know, push Putin sitting in the bunker and uh, just having like video conferences, it's it's uh, it's amazing. And actually, the the way they're using information right now to to rally people to to keep their spirits up and everything else is it's it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And the way the people actually rose to the occasion and um, to defend their their land, their country, it's. I would say for me it was 
expected just because this conflict with Russia is not the first conflict in our history. It's, it's been it's been there for as long as so the moment the Russia was established, so Ukraine is much older than Russia. So the moment the Russia was actually formed, that's when the this conflict started. So it's not it's not nothing new. So when they when they actually invaded, there was absolutely no um, no question about it that everyone who considers himself Ukrainian will stand up and fight. Wow. Yeah, the union, the union, uh, like how people rose together to to, um, you know, in certain events, how they work together, people from different businesses, different environments, you know, and, and um, there there's their group of people making sure that nothing is being stolen or or you know um, from from the stores or open apartments. Uh, people work together right now a lot more than they used to. Um, I've seen a, um, there was a very interesting post uh, was um, I, I saw a few days ago about um, uh, I think that was a, um, a little store in in city of Kharkiv. Somebody one of my friends po uh, shared that. And during shelling, the windows broke. So the owner of the store no longer lives in the city. They asked somebody. They sent an email and they asked somebody to to take a look. And they said, "Don't worry about it. Nothing will be taken." So the store is in pristine condition with just windows broken. Um, and so, so people do, uh, you know, still keeps complete civility. I mean, bombing and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And you see people share uh, their food, their water supply, their medicine. Um, there's also, um, you, you, you probably have seen in the, in the videos where, where you have, there are plenty of talented individuals that play piano, play, um, you know, violin and they would perform for for these people and um you know a lot of um musicians they just you know they they also join the army and they also perform for troops and for people so you see all of that um happening throughout ukraine everywhere you know they're trying to help elderly who can't move and so on people bring them food there are trucks that go go around and distribute food um it, it's it's happening all over the country and even even I, in, I believe in some places the mail is being delivered. They, they at some point in Kharkiv during bombing, they were still cleaning, they were still picking up trash uh, and from from streets and everywhere. Uh, so you know people don't people don't give up and they, they fight and they you know and uh, you know you have you have this army that attacks you and you continue to provide social services and other things in the middle of bombing and city when city is surrounded. You have to give um, huge, huge, um, you know, uh, props to the to the government, uh, to the local government and, and central government of Ukraine. Yeah, I, you know, again, watching from afar as an outsider, it, it, I, I think it's fair to say that Ukraine's giving a lot of the world, I think, chills to, to, to in a way, given the, the the heroic response, not only from your average civilian rising up to to defend their country but for all the reasons that you said to try to try to maintain some kind of social order amid everything is is, is really a remarkable human response and um and i think is as you point out it's not being lost on the world at all and um alex if i'm mistaken correct me but do you have do you have a couple friends or, or relatives that are directly involved in in, in the fighting or well i i do have um i don't have relatives there Okay. only friends classmates okay. and they continue some of them are spread around uh, you know some i can't contact anymore um some i did i did talk to and um 
you know, they continue with their daily routines. Mm -hmm. They continue to work, um, you know, at, at the jobs they're, they're doing. And in the evening, they perform civil duties, mm -hmm. um, you know, either filling the bags or, or blocking the streets or doing like stuff like that. Or, or, or um, you know, I know that they have huge initiatives in the cities that to um, prepare the apartments for refugees. Mm -hmm. uh, because the city is actually part of um, it's it's Western Ukraine. They're less um, um, they're not getting shelled right now, so it's considered to be fairly safe. They do have raids, they do have all of that stuff. It's because it's happening in the neighborhood, but not there. So they do accept some refugees from from uh, cities that are uh, being bombarded right now. Okay. So. All right. Um, we had we had a question come in, and it's um it's a difficult one. It's an emotional question, but um I'll ask it. And uh, Natalia, we could start with you. Um, you know, the question is, what is your greatest fear for your country and and the loved ones that you still have in 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 Ukraine? Um, the greatest, as uh, again, the greatest fear is that I'm never going to see them again. But um, <laughs> now it's getting emotional. I just, I just want them here. I just want them to be safe. That's all. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and Alex, obviously, it, it, it is. It's an emotional question because I think it speaks to this. This question speaks to the heart of, you know, why we're having this. It's the heart of, of what's at the center of all wars is the fear of the loss of loved ones. And so just can you can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I I can't. I just can't. It's, it's very hard to. Um, I don't have relatives there. But, uh, but every time you see in the news, like they bombed the city, they bombed the hospital, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they attacked, uh, you know, daycare mm -hmm. or, or, you know, it, it, maternity ward, you, your, your heart just feels with a, with a heavy stone, like it, it feels yeah. like there's a stone on your chest, right? You can't move because th these are, you know, these kids will be kids of war, right? They will grow up with a war. Um, a, you know, every every kid that's born, every kid that's 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 still there right now, they will um, also the hatred of Russian people mm -hmm. that that will be um, within Ukraine, right? Ukrainian people, it will come with milk. Like I've heard somebody said that it will come with mother's milk. Mm. They will inherently have that, you know. And it's exactly, to me, certain scenes remind me of the stories that my grand, grandfather used to tell me about, uh, about the war, mm -hmm. World War II. Sure. Nazis were, were took over. These things are happening exactly in a similar pattern. There's no difference. You have an occupier force that has no, um, no regard for human life whatsoever. You see them shooting people in the streets, just, you know, people try to evacuate and they just shoot their, at the car full of people. And there's no regard for human life. Bombing nine story buildings that, you know, thousands of people live there. It's, it, you know, it, it I can't, I, I, when I, when I see that news, it, it's just, it's, it's extremely tough to watch that. It, it's, and you feel helpless that, that the, that's the worst part, I think. And we've we've talked about this um, a, a little bit to to a degree, and, may, and maybe we could explore it a little bit more. Is that sense of 
uh, you know, Natalia, you're, you're over here. There's so many people still o- over there. Just, just how are you, you know, I guess mentally, emotionally co- coping with that? How do you, how do you kind of get through the, through the day knowing that? Uh, well, just thought that, that I'm not the one there. It's kind of like comforting me probably, but it's not really comforting just because sometimes I wish I was there so I can actually like do something and help. But um, I'm still grateful that there was like a chance of my life that I took, my mom took, that we came here and we kind of not part of that conflict right now. But um, knowing that, so Alex can relate to that. We kind of, we were, young and we were uh, at that point when our parents moved us here we were basically we didn't have a not not a choice we didn't have a say in it because they said okay we're, we're getting up and we're moving but um we were still young we were like it's like a young flower you just like pluck it from one soil and put it in another one and it's still gonna grow but people who actually put like deeper roots in there and they're it's really hard to actually for me it was like well what's what's the problem just get up and leave for them it's different they they just they can't do that because it's their home it's their home home. it's the same same if somebody tells me right now like uh, whatever you have in in philadelphia right now and and just leave it and go it's 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 heartbreaking you can't really even imagine doing that and Alex, just um, how about you? S- similar question. You've addressed it to a degree already, but just any other thoughts on just the being here while the conflicts ha- happening over there? You know, you've talked a lot about just ha- how being part of this podcast is you know, part of your contribution. Is there any other thoughts on on that? No, uh, I mean it's just um, you feel par- powerless, mm-hmm. you feel helpless, uh, you know, because you do want to support. You want to, you know, I don't know, get something and do something. You know, that kind of uh, you know, uh, feeling. So whatever, whatever you can do, I, I try to do, um, you know, whatever's in my power, um, bring awareness to help to donate, to, uh, to, you know, to continue to bring awareness everywhere and to try to, um, you know, hopefully down the line, we'll have, we'll have, uh, refugees that will be able to come here to United States. I know they're they're trying to push that through the uh, government um, right now, similar to the way it was done with Afghan refugees um, uh, recently. Uh, similar things might be done with Ukraine as well. Um, so so we'll we'll see. There's the, there's a help that we can provide in the future as well. So we should we, should, we shouldn't stop. We should continue to provide help. And and please 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 contact your representative and and. Uh, Senator, just send him an email. Say that you're worried about Ukraine. Ukraine is a is a step stepping stone. They're protecting not only themselves right now. They're protecting the Europe. They're protecting everybody. Russia is an aggressor. They will attack. They will not stop. You know they lost a lot um, from Soviet Union times. Poland, all the former Soviet republics uh, that 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 no longer part of Russia. They want it back. This is the, that was Putin's dream. That's what he wanted to do. He wants to increase his empire, and and you know Ukraine right now is fighting for everybody. They literally fighting for everybody, and they do ha- get a lot of help from Europe, from United States. They get significant help. 
Without that help, they would not be in a position they, that they are now. But that should not stop. They should, we should continue to support them and continue to provide them help because they're, they're the ones that are fighting our war right now. That's a, it's a poignant final thought, I think, there from you, Alex. Um, Natalia, do you, do you have any final thoughts um, on this? It's the same thing. If you want to help, just find the organization to donate. If you don't, if you don't know where to donate, you can just uh, stop it. There is a Ukrainian self-reliant credit union bank. You can just stop there. It's on, it's on um, Street Road in, uh, in Bucks County. You can just stop there and just uh, ask them a question. They will, they will give you all the information everywhere that the humanitarian aid is being collected. Um, again, if there is any medical supplies you have, wheelchairs, crutches, uh, arm slings, anything that you've used and you don't need anymore and it's still in good condition, just come to the Jenkintown uh, Center and just drop it off. They'll, they'll send it, they'll make sure that people get it. Um, if borders ever get open for Ukrainian refugees, step up and help host them ask them if they need stuff um it just happened that it's ukrainian it's kind of close to my heart but i think any country that will be affected by this conflict in europe right now is is at risk just because today is ukraine tomorrow but poland is really stretched out so they really need a lot of help to to help so there's a lot of uh, volunteers that they use their own supplies, they use their own finances to actually to support people in need. And that's a big thank you. And um, I just hope I just hope it didn't happen. Yeah, especially with Poland, uh, they did accept uh, 1.5 million refugees. That was statistics from like a week ago, so probably more. And we're talking about in within two weeks. 1.5 million people and they're only women and children so all the refugees that leave ukraine right now are pretty much women and children um so you know they do need help and they only they carry one small bag with them and so it is tough it, it's tough and whatever we can do we will try to do and that was in our power so so bottom bottom line takeaway for maybe for folks who are, who are listening with us is 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 offer whatever support that, that that you can find you know viable vetted agencies to donate to get money to them get supplies donate supplies so we can get stuff over there to support the refugees and to support the people on the front line in the fights and and keep pressure on you know legislators in in, in your part of the country to con to continue what federal support we can we, we, we can offer and 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 at, and at this point that's probably what a lot of us as average average folks can do and really you know, morally are obligated to be doing right now. Yeah. And our promotional product industry, you yeah. know, t-shirts, flags, pins, um, all of that brings awareness, you know, keep it on our mind, keep it fresh, you know, so on. So it sure helps. It's a, it's a great point. Um, Natalia, Alex, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, you were generous with your time, and I, I know this is a highly emotional subject and it can be difficult to discuss. So thank you for both just having the courage to come on and, and do that in front of a, a live audience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I just wish we could do more.